0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: You know what time it is when you hear that music. I mean, it is the one, the only. The franchise, Tim Allen, host of the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Post Game Show, who I'll be working with later on tonight, joins us now in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Tim, good
1: afternoon to you. What's going on? Yeah, when you hear that music, somebody told me that it's uh, that's the music when they had, uh, announced the Brewers every night <laughs> at home. Or when uh, Adrian Hauser's up to start. Or when Hauser. I know Lou Croix used that song many years ago. Yeah. but and, and then he got off to a bad start and he canned it.
2: <laughs> I'm very happy to be talking to you, especially on a day like today when we have all the Brewers news that happened over the weekend. We had a great game yesterday. I was able to go, and man, oh, man, was the atmosphere crazy for that, Tim. The rowdy chants were out. You would have loved it. 35,000 strong for the Brewers. But on top of that, we had some uh, news here at around 245. We kind of speculated on it. I know you guys talked about it the past couple days, especially yesterday on the post-game show. Could have used a bullpen day maybe tomorrow as we're still waiting to figure out what the Brewers were going to do with, for a fifth starter. But the Brewers, if you didn't hear, if you're just tuning in now, decided to call back up Ethan Small for his second start in the majors as that fifth starter. Now, I'm sure you're not surprised, Tim, but Mm-mm. I want to ask you, do you think that they'll probably let Ethan Small run until Freddie
1: Peralta comes back as that fifth starter? Uh, yeah, that and or Adrian Hauser. So they've, they've got some support on the way, but you know, Ethan Small has to step up and do his job. And then if, and if he doesn't for a couple of starts, I mean, then you got to, you know, clock is ticking here on the 22 championship season. See, you don't just give him carte blanche and and, and, and just let him go. Right. And, and numbers are, are, you know, on the back burner. So this made sense. And those of you that didn't hear the uh, postgame show yesterday, I, I talked about uh, Ethan Small was probably going to be the call simply because this is the cycle that david stearns and this brewers organization uh does they they run through this you know let's get these guys up and get them get them, uh some major league experience have them go through their bumps and bruises of becoming a good major league baseball player or great uh and and it makes sense to do this now um maybe out of necessity as well but why why wouldn't you go with the the younger guys and your future instead of, say, a Josh Lindblom? Now, again, this is a delicate balance here between, well, you want to win now. Yes, clock is ticking. But you also, this could come in handy down the line. Ashby getting a bunch of starts here. Ethan Small getting some major league playing time to kind of go through uh, the rigors of becoming a everyday major league baseball player. Yet you'd still want to win, so it's it is a delicate balance here. It makes sense if you're if you're in a bind here. I I think that the way they think of a guy like Josh Lindblom or just pick up a scrap heap guy or whatever, compared to to Ethan Small, obviously is is way different. And would would the outcome and their expertise be about the same? I you know I don't know uh, is. In terms of tonight's ball game or, to, or tomorrow's ball game, who would do a better job? And I'll ask you, Sam. Who who would do a better job? A guy like Lindblom, or Ethan Small?
2: Oh, you're asking me? Probably. The, I know Josh Lindblom's your boy, Tim, but I am not a big fan of Josh Lindblom at all. And I was kind of expecting what happened with him before he did eventually get sent down, indefinitely, But I mean, I, I understand your point. Is because, like we saw with Aaron Ashby when he first got called up last year, like. These guys can have all the potential in the world, and they can have the great numbers in the minor leagues, but once they get called up to the majors, especially in their first couple starts, like anything can happen. And Unfortunately, Ethan Small got to somewhat of a good start in his first career start, but then later on it kind of blew up on him. So I Mm -hmm. understand your point. If you bring up a veteran guy, and like you were talking about, if you're not going to use Lindblom now, when are you ever going to use him? And why have a spot on the active roster for him? So I understand your point, but you're... (laughs) You're asking the wrong guy, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: but 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 my point is they're about the same, I would think. 100 oh, percent. Yeah, you know what I mean. The the outcome or the performance, maybe right around the same. Um, maybe I would give uh, honestly a slight nod to the veteran, but nonetheless, what does that do for the overall good of the organization? Right. You need Ethan Small at some point. I'm not saying this year. Well, let's just leave it open ended. You're going to need Ethan Small. He is one of your top draft choices. At some point you will need this guy to perform. So when you have an opportunity to, to get him in there and you know, have a few innings of big league experience, it's it's do, it's going to do nothing but help this team.
2: No, I agree with you. You talked about it earlier, like you kinda had to do this move right now to bring up Ethan Small. But another thing that you had to do right now too, to really benefit your organization going forward. On Saturday, I know you guys talked about over the weekend, but I want to get your thoughts on it. The Aaron Ashby extension, Tim. I, like yourself, I'm a huge. I'm buying stock on Aaron Ashby anywhere and everywhere I can get it. And to do what the Brewers did with Freddie Peralta and now do the same thing with Aaron Ashby, like I don't know much of what it says about Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff's future with the Brewers. I don't think it really has anything to do with it right now. I just think this is the way that the Brewers have. If they're going to keep young guys like that, they think have all this potential. Like this is what they have to do. They have to sign them young to team friendly deals, but.
1: I'm I'm just ecstatic about this extension for Ann Ashby. A continual rebuild while competing at a high level. I mean that's just simply what it comes down to here. This is this is the 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 wheel of fortune, if you will, for the Milwaukee Brewers. This is how Stearns does it. This is just what he does. He he builds it uh around these young guys, locks them in a little bit, and then fills the gap around um you know, these uh, these these younger guys with the veteran players that you you get them in here with a little bit of team control or on one-year deals, Grandal, um, Andrew McCutcheon, a couple of years of team control, Hunter Renfro, Omar had a handful of team control years. You get these guys in here to fill the void. Now what's missing? Well, we all know what's missing. This is the one part... Of this continual rebuild while competing at a high level, that's missing. And that is the position player group help. There's no help at third base. There's no help at second. Base. there's no help in the outfield. There's no help at first base in terms of prospects coming up. There's help on the way, But in terms of right now, as you fill the voids with Omars and McCutcheons and Renfros and Talez, there's no help from the from within that's coming it's just not here now that's the one piece sam that is missing in this organization now things are going to turn a little bit uh it it appears because i believe there's strength in numbers and when you have a bunch of you know seven eight blue chip prospects that two or three of them are going to pan out and give you some help i mean imagine You know, instead of a Jonathan Davis, this super high-end prospect that is just lighting it up off the bench and and fighting for playing time. And you're fighting your own lineup council to even get him in. Imagine that. Imagine if you had a Jace Peterson, but only he's 21 years old. Right. That's where this team is is missing that entity, that part of it. And it's coming, though. It, It really is. Guys, they've turned around, at least on the position player side, they've turned things around via the draft.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Weimer and you know Garrett Mitchell and stuff like that. But it is encouraging to know, even though he is like 18 years old, that Jackson Torrio just got promoted to the Wisconsin Timber Alley. Yep. So
1: I, I said it last week. I'm like, why in the world is this kid not at high A yet?
2: Yeah, so that's exciting. But, I mean, he's still got a ways to go before he does come he up does. to the majors. So, I mean, I, I hear you, but it's just – if they had somebody, they would have done it already, and unfortunately. No, no, I'm,
1: and I'm not saying now. I'm just saying in general for yeah. the organization, the help is on the way under, under the Stern's philosophy. He's going to get an added bonus of finally a bunch of Keston heroes. Now, I'm not saying Keston heroes panning out or not panning out. I'm just saying that you get a bunch of guys that you can actually get a peek at and a good sample size, and some of them are going to stick. I- I'll promise you some will stick, whether it's, as you said, Chario or – It might be a Hedbert Perez and and Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, and Joe Gray and Joe Weimer. And, you know, there's just on and on. There's a handful of them, Sam.
2: Yeah, I hear you, man. Because it would be nice to see somebody in this lineup, aside from Tyrone Taylor and, you know, Kesson here when he is up in the majors, that is homegrown. Because, I mean, I think we all remember the hype around Aaron Ashby, who is probably the latest one that had that huge hype in the minors and Ethan Small right now. It's, it I'm was you. it was it was exciting for fans because I always love that like when prospects get called up. I remember like when Andrew, Orlando Arcia was that guy and Lewis Brinson before he got traded. Like I kind of sold myself on these guys, but my my thing is I just hope that these guys, if they do bring up eventually, maybe next year, or the year after, like a Weamer or a Garrett Mitchell and stuff like that. I hope that they can just help contribute to this window right now with Corbin Burns and Brendan Woodruff because I just yeah, don't I just don't, don't nice. want to I don't want to dabble my feet in that. If you know what I mean, I don't want to. Give these guys time to figure it out if they're not ready.
1: And just to finish up on Aspie, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm buying all sorts of stock on this guy. Uh, he has everything it takes to be an elite pitcher in Major League Baseball. He has got everything it takes. Right. Because I at, mean, at, from the left side, throws hard. The slider. I mean, th- he's gonna get nothing but better. So when when does the getting better start? It's got to start soon. Right. I mean, it just does, Sam. I you know you look up at the tote board and you see a a 4-6 ERA. Come on, Ashby. Yeah. You, for a high-end young prospect, and, and I think he's out of prospect territory at this point, but for a high-end young player, dude, a 4-6 can't cut it, and it's been kind of gravitating right there. He's had a couple of good starts, brings it down a little bit, but right there around four and a half, That, to me, is, is sort of the tipping point with a pitcher. You, you can't just sit there in no man's land at four and a half. So So he's, he's got to step up his game.
2: I think the main thing for Aaron Ashby, too, right now, as he's going through these growing pains and he's dealing with injuries in his first full season, like the walks are just the main thing for me right now. If he can cut that down, I think he'll figure it out. Maybe even, like, the he had had the all-star break for rest. I mean, hopefully the second half of the season is a really big turning point now that he has that contract under his belt, too. Probably takes a ton of pressure off him mentally. But, yeah, I, I think it's coming eventually. I mean, I give all these guys, like I was talking about, I give these guys a pass now that I've seen what the Brewers can do with a guy like Burns. And what they have in a guy like Freddie Peralta and stuff like that, like you have to give Aaron Ashby at least just a little bit more time to figure it out as he goes through these growing pains. But, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, man. He's got all the potential in the world. But speaking about potential, I mean, like this, this Brewers offense right now, once again, we're talking with Tim Allen, host of the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Post Game Show. This Brewers offense, what I've seen from these three games coming out of the All-Star break, it's three games, Tim. But, my goodness, this offense, if you could box this up and translate this to, to the rest of the series for all these guys, I think – we're always talking about the trade deadline, but I think the more important thing is for these guys to be healthy, stay together, and then on top of that getting up to their career par as far as batting average wise. I think that's more important yeah. potentially than
1: just bringing in somebody and hoping that they can figure it out on offense. And not not just not just, you know, across the board say if they all have to do this. At least get like 3 of them to do it. Yeah. At least 3 of them to get back up there. This these 3 games, 35 hits, 25 runs in the 3 games coming out of the All-Star break. 3 and 0 mark. This has been more of what I thought this offense would be. And I, I, you know, maybe it's a philosophical thing with the organization, but man, they take a lot of pitches and they strike out a lot and they walk a lot. Sometimes, and those of you that watch Brewers uh, baseball all season long, you know, sometimes there's a big difference between a grinding out eight pitch at bat versus Oh, boy, we know where this is going to end. You know <laughs> what I mean? They
2: no outs, getting nothing yeah. in return. And, and yeah. you know,
1: there's a big difference between boys and they battling. And then the other side would be, yeah, he might be six or seven pitches, but we know where this is. It's almost painful at times and, and has been throughout the season. I don't know if that's a team philosophy or not, but oh. – Get aggressive. Just get aggressive offensively.
2: Well, that segues perfectly when I wanted to ask you. I mean, we're talking about this Brewers offense, and you're right, Tim. I mean, a lot of those runs yesterday, 10 10 runs batted in on the day, eight of them came with two strikes, including Yelich's and Telez and McCutcheon's at-bats in the eighth inning. Five of the Brewers' RBI also came with two outs yesterday. So on on top of everybody in the the starting lineup, aside from Narvaez and Jonathan Davis yesterday, I believe one guy didn't get in the hit column on Saturday, but – Everybody on Friday got in the hit column. Like, I, I, I want to play this for you real quick, and it's about a minute, but it's Andrew McCutcheon talking after yesterday's game, and Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. said the same thing essentially too. Tim, this is a conscious effort by the Brewers' offense. They talked about after the All-Star break going into these first three games. They're trying to just take what the other team gives them, and this is what Andrew McCutcheon had to say after the game.
1: It's just- Showing that, uh, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's uh, taking advantage of what they give you. Take what they give you. Um, I think when we go through those ruts, a lot of times we try and create something that's not there. You know? And uh, we try to do a little too much. And I think
2: uh we take the, uh, the next guy up mentality, when we're just like, all right, he didn't give me anything, next guy up. you know. And I think when we do that, continue just to trust the guy behind you.
1: Uh, that's when good things happen. So... Um, were able to show that we showed that throughout the game. I mean, Yelly getting on base, you know, and you know, in inning. you know, he didn't give him much to hit, worked the count, got on base, you know, and uh, you know, he really came up, got a hit, um, you know, rowdy, you know, it's just it just continues just to keep going. I think uh, you know, we we're able to, yeah, they just take what they give us. I think that's the I don't know, I guess that's
2: the new slogan. I don't know, you say it's a change in approach. So that was Andrew McCutcheon after yesterday's game. And I would play Hunter Renfro, I'll tell you, but that's a little lengthy. But he said pretty – he echoed what Andrew McCutcheon was talking about there. And Hunter Renfro added that they are trying to, as you saw yesterday, they're trying to tire these pitches, pitchers out and drive their pitch count up. Like, Tim, I mean, I know it's three games, but if you didn't hear those comments, you would think, like, okay, maybe this this series is just a fluke. And you could say, eh, it's the Rockies. You know, they're not a very good team and all that. But I'm sorry, but if the Brewers, like you heard from Andrew McCutcheon and you heard from Hunter Renfro earlier in the show – it's three games, but it's a conscious effort, and that—how many times in your post-game shows, Tim, have you heard people talk about? Well, I want more small ball. I want these guys to just get the runners across the base and not look for, you know, get, not look for the home run every at bat. But if you're hearing that from Andrew McCutcheon, it's one thing to talk to talk, but throughout this series so far in these first three games in the second half of the season, they're walking the walk.
1: Yeah, and you you did hear uh, McCutcheon uh, say it's something they've talked about. So I, you know, I don't know if that meant team meeting or what, whatever offensive meeting, but you know, it's obvious they have discussed what's going on offensively. Now whether this is longer lasting, you know, let's let's wait and and measure this as a as a little bit of a bigger sample size, but it it. I think it's about being a little more aggressive. I really do. And walks are fine and everything, and it works on your OBP. But let's let's hit the baseball, and that's exactly what they're doing here. It it does come down to we talk all day long about analytics and you know pitch uh, pitch selection and make sure you get a good pitch to hit and. You know, you're working the count and you're drawing your walks and all this, but it really still is baseball where they throw this ball and you take this wooden bat and you hit that baseball that's being thrown. you still got to hit the baseball. I think that has been the biggest thing over the course of this series here. And I don't want to oversimplify it, but but I do believe it, you were in the park. I yeah. heard the rowdy chance. I heard the... the uh, the the just life inside American Family Field. This is what Brewers fans want he, right here and right now. That's the kind of offense they want. Let's fun. Let's go fun and excitement. And we're singing tequila and we're we're having you know a bunch of music going on and and gap doubles. Victor Caratini and knocks in two and McCutcheon in the clutch. Crowd going crazy, rowdy, ties. That's exactly what we want. But don't lose track of that when it comes time to, hey, you know what? They, they, they got five hits tonight. Tip your hat to, uh, to the other guy. Tonight was a one-off. But this, if they can continue this, and I know it's a big, <laughs> some would say a pipe dream, but if they continue to do this with this pitching, they're a tough out. They're going to be a tough out, guys.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I, that's the thing that encouraged me the most about these first three games. I know we're, you know, we haven't even gotten to a full series after the All Star break, but it's one thing if this offensive performance was just a coincidence, but the fact that it's a conscious effort. And like you said, once Freddie comes back, mm-hmm. if Josh Hader can just figure it out and get back to the automatic hater that he is, combine all that. That's going to, I mean, to me, Tim, I was a little bit harsh on this Brewers team going into the All Star break after my initial preseason prediction and all that. But if they can put this together for the rest of the season or just get close to it on top of getting healthy and everything. And you bring in another bat, like, yeah, this team's going to be a problem. Yeah, in the there's, playoffs. Six,
1: there's 600 uh, uh, percentage team in the second half since 18 there's 607 winning percentage mm-hmm. since 2018. So they're going to win their share of ball game. The schedule is a little bit favorable. However, you know, they're, they are talking <clears throat> sorry about an easier, not an easier, but a, uh, just a friendly schedule. I don't know about that. You have 14 games against the Dodgers and Cardinals combined. And the Yankees are going to face September. the Yankees. You're going to face the Red Sox. I mean, count those games. You got the Twins coming up tomorrow for two. So 14. Um, there's 20 with the Red Sox and, and Yankees. And there's 22 with the, with the Twins, who I think are, are a decent team. 22 games. Just, that's just off the top of my head. I haven't even t- taken a look at the schedule. There's 22 yeah. games right off the top of my head. And let's not discount some Cub games that, well, I mean, they, they do have a, an advantage. I think the Brewers are 6-7 and seven against the Cubs this year. So, but th- that's 22 tough games that they have coming up.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.